We are students of our crops. Every year on our farms, we try new things to see how they affect our bottom lines and decide what will change for the future. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Crops. I'm Jenna. And I'm MP. On this episode, we're going to unearth the insights and results of our on-farm trials from this season. We've tried everything from new products to new practices and more. We're excited to dive in and share what we've learned. Hey, Jenna. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. I know, except I have been waiting very impatiently (laughs) because you went to the NFR last week and I was like, waiting for stories. <laughs> I did. And I did not story that much. I hardly <laughs> documented, but it, I was just like living in the moment. I didn't have any partnerships I had to be documenting. So it felt good to just kind of like not have to post. <laughs> I don't blame you. And I envy that. Like, yeah. I think that's great to take a trip like that and just not worry about it. I mean, after how much money we spent, I feel like it would have been nice to have some partnerships <laughs> to kind of counter offset that cost a little bit, but that's okay. It was a great time. If you don't know what the NFR is, it's the National Finals Rodeo. It's held in Las Vegas, Nevada every year. It's like the championship for all rodeo events. Uh, and it's like the epitome of Western rodeo lifestyle. It was so fun. Honestly, I had zero desire to ever go to Vegas. I went once when I was 13. We were going to Lake Havasu. So we flew into Vegas and just did a few days there as a family before heading down to the lake. And as an adult, it honestly sounded exhausting and terrible. So <laughs> I honest, I really didn't have a desire to go. I, but I did say I do want to go to the NFR at least once. So then some of our friends had a 40th birthday party this year and invited us. And I was like, this is the perfect time for us to go, Levi. And he agreed. So we went and we both had the best time. And we both said we would go back in a heartbeat, which I did not expect to walk away from Las Vegas, Nevada and feel that way. Well, that's awesome because I I just can't even picture it because obviously I've never been there during the NFR. Uh-huh. But when I was there not during the NFR, I like have no desire to go back. Yeah. So maybe that's the difference because you are surrounded by mostly, you know, farm and ranch people, country people, people that are like you and have some Makes values. us sound so uncultured. <laughs> but it does. But it's like there is something to be said about being around like-minded people and people that share the same values and passions as you. So maybe that mm-hmm. is why it was so fun. Uh, the awesome. food was phenomenal. We went with uh, people that knew Vegas have been to Vegas several times. So that was helpful because they said, we're oh, going to yeah. this restaurant. We're going to do this show. And I really just had to like give them my money and show up. So it was perfect mm-hmm. because I didn't have to stress about where we were going to eat, what we were going to do. It was all planned out. And we had seriously the best time. Oh, I'm so glad. And I mean, you all know Levi and how much he hates concrete and hates cities. It takes a lot for that man to go back to the same city twice. And he said he would go back. Wow. During the NFR, like the rodeo was phenomenal. Our biggest regrets were not going to the rodeo twice, and we just went one night. And then we went to Cowboy Christmas, the all the Western shopping, and we had a great time. But we did not have enough time to cover what we wanted oh, to cover. Oh, yeah. So even Levi agreed because there are so many brands of boots and hats and different things that you could actually like, try and feel in person. Where where we live, you know, you have to order everything in or drive a long ways to get to try stuff on. So. Uh, we just didn't have enough time to like fully, fully try all the things we wanted to try. <laughs> yes. I can only imagine my in-laws go every year and I just, I want to some year. We will. Yeah, you do. And you need to. That's do they, so awesome. they have season tickets? Um, 
I don't know about the, the rodeo ticket situation. I think possibly they have season tickets. Um, but I don't know if they go every year because the tickets sell for so much when you get like right down to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Face value on our ticket was $85. And honestly, I would pay that. It was worth it. It was two and a half, three hours long. It was literally the best rodeo I've ever seen. And we have really good rodeos in Nebraska. It was just the oh, competitors wow. were so great. You know, they're, this is the best of the best. It was so well done as far as the entertainment in between the announcers, the national anthem. It was just like goosebumps and laughs and so fun. Your tickets were only $85. That's what the face value on the ticket was. Yeah. Did you get them forever ago? Uh, I don't know. It's like it was an actual printed ticket. You know, like when you, mm-hmm. you know, like old school, you have like the actual ticket in your hand and they rip the yep. stuff off. It was like a ticket like that. And the face value was $85. I don't remember what we paid because like I said, I didn't plan it. I was just told how much to pay the person that bought everything. Yeah, gotcha. I honestly don't remember what it was, but face value of that ticket. So what it would have like sold initially for was $85. Okay. Hmm. I've only heard like a lot higher numbers than that. So I've been like, maybe just like resale people just, you know, gash yeah. because it's a hot commodity. Yeah. Cause it's not a big arena, right? Like it's pretty small. I mean, it's decent sized, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a bucket list. Thing. Yes, for sure. Go there. I would go back. Well, that's great to hear because yeah. I'm going to be putting more pressure on Josh for that in the future. Maybe we can go out and find some sort of, Western partnership to do so I can get part of it paid for next year. (laughs) Who wants to talk about crops and (laughs) at the rodeo? (laughs) Uh, Funny. What's new with you? Um, Well, Josh surprised me last week with a date. I thought it was just going to be a day date. I thought it was kind of fun because both of us had some alone time with our guys. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a day date, but I had no idea what he had planned. And the night before, he told me, make sure you pack an overnight bag. And I was like, what? So he like figured out childcare for us for the night, which was great because we only have have one overnight childcare option, his parents. So So, um, yeah, it was great. We went to like a, there's a, I don't know, I guess it would be a destination town only about an hour from us. And they have, you know, like resorts with spas and stuff. I was not expecting this, but we went and got a pedicure together. So fun. Yeah. Was he, that his he, idea? Yeah. He planned everything. Oh my goodness. Go Josh Sass. Yeah. I just didn't think we'd be doing that girly of stuff. And I think yeah. he even asked me, what do you think we're doing? And I said, I don't think we're doing, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I kind of listed off some girly stuff and I'm pretty sure pedicure was in there. Uh-huh. But yeah, he let someone scrub his feet. <laughs> I I want Levi to do that so bad. Yeah, it's like, you know, you sit in a massage chair uh-huh. and yeah. he gets really into that. So, And then we also went and got a massage. So that was great, too. Oh, I got a massage in Vegas as well. Ooh, the girls nice. did. There was four of us. Natalie, Tara, Ashley, and I got a... We did a massage. And then we you got access to the spa the whole day. So we like went Ooh. early, stayed late. It was dreamy. They had this eucalyptus steam room. Oh, I'd never been in a steam room, but 10 out of 10 recommend. That sounds nice. Yeah, yeah. They, we, this spa that we went to, too, had, um, you know, you could access it all day. There was hot tubs, but they were only in the locker rooms. So you had to sit with like other women or other men. Yeah. And 
Oh my goodness. Josh was telling me about the men's locker room and I just can't even imagine like a bunch of naked old men running around oh. <laughs> and so anyway we did not stay late i'll just say that like we didn't use all of the facilities <laughs> oh i love it too funny yeah yeah it was fun though and then we stayed over and we went to this place that it was in wisconsin so they we were ordering old fashions and they brought us out pictures. They said, we'll do a picture for you guys if you want. So we had a picture of old fashioned. Yeah, sign us up for the picture. Yeah. Like anytime said, there's a carif option for a mimosa, I'm like, just get, get, do the carif of the mimosa. Yes. None of this dinky one mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was like, well, she said a picture and I've just never heard of a picture of old fashions. And she's mm-hmm. like, welcome to Wisconsin. And I'm like, <laughs> I should I'm know from better. here. <laughs> I should know better. <laughs> so um, another update on the love side of things. I did finally take the love language test and I have officially learned that I'm acts of service. Okay. Yay. Did Josh take it too? No, but we're, he's like set on the fact that he's physical touch. So, okay. It's like 25 questions, Josh. It'll take you no time at all. <laughs> I should make him take it because it could surprise him. But Mm -hmm. I shared my results with him and kind of told him because it gives you, you have to get the right test. And maybe I should just link it for our listeners so that they don't get into one of those scammy tests where they try to charge you money after you've already taken it, you know? Yeah, no, don't do that. Yeah, but it gives you the breakdown of what you are. And then it says, um, like, kind of what makes it what you don't like, you know, Mm -hmm. that relates to your love language. And one of them was like, Broken commitments and making more work for them tells them that their feelings don't matter. And And finding ways to serve them speaks volumes. And did that resonate with you quite a bit? It did, but also I shared that with him. And I don't know if this is like, I mean, I know like when you're growing in your relationship, communication and everything, you have to keep up with it. But it has, he has really stepped up. Like, Muller. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I swear by the love language thing. It's it's a real thing. Yeah, I need him to take it, and then we can help each other. Because I don't know exactly. Physical touch isn't like always. I don't know. It can mean different things. Yeah. So I don't know. I have to. I have to have him take it so that I can do better for him too. But mm-hmm. okay, just a couple more things. I know we're kind of chatting a lot, but <laughs> I need to know because it's Christmas week. Are you done Christmas shopping? Uh, I think I'm just going to call it a wrap. Not necessarily, <laughs> but I think we're just going to call her good and figure out the rest later. <laughs> I, I don't know. This if- is my last week to ship beef. So I've yeah. just been really focused on that. And I was literally like, I haven't ordered pictures yet. Remember we talked about. Oh, yes. Printed oh, we haven't shared that here, though. I thought we did. So okay. the idea is um, every year. You get so th- one of the hardest things, I guess, for me, and I feel like it's a tr- struggle for a lot of people, is since we can take so many pictures on our phones to actually like go through, pick your favorites, and get them printed. Mm-hmm. And some I saw this either on TikTok or Instagram, I don't remember where, but um, the mom was sharing that she prints off photos every Christmas for her kids and puts them in her stockings, and they you you go back through the year and pick your favorites for each kid. And it's something that they don't like super appreciate when they're really little, but as they get older, it's something that they've really, really looked forward to. So I thought it would be fun to start that this year. And and I agree. And I said I was going to do it and I haven't even done it yet. So, well, good news for you, Jenna. There's this, I 
use this company that was suggested from my photographer, which if you want good quality prints, they are going to cost a little more, but photographers will recommend not going to like Walgreens. Photographers will recommend that if the place also sells pharmaceuticals, (laughs) maybe (laughs) don't buy your photos there. (laughs) Yes. So I, this is like, if I were to splurge on anything, like getting good quality photo prints is a place that I will splurge and M picks. I'll share the link in our uh, show notes as well. I have to remember these things to link. Now, I know. Jenna. Hannah Dorn, who's taken pictures for us. <laughs> she's wonderful. She has a whole blog post on like where to buy photos and where not to. We should just link the whole blog. Yes. But I was going to say the one that I use is like very quick shipping, like overnight. It's just. Oh, very, okay. Yes. And, okay. and maybe Miss she would recommend by it. Chicago. It'll take 10 <laughs> days to get to me. <laughs> I think it's a state closer to you where they get printed. Oh, so. maybe. I know I wasn't going to tell you this, but I ordered something on Amazon and it was overnight shipping and I ordered it at like nine o'clock and it was at my front door by like eight in the morning. Oh my word. I didn't rub it in, but I was thinking of it. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. I'm not salty. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, anyway, I... I'm also not done, but I don't know where to go from here either. I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's the rush for me, but I feel maybe a rush of like, will it get here on time? I wait and wait and wait so long. And then it's like, it'll be delivered December 19th. It'll be delivered December 22nd. And I'm like, keep pushing until the anticipation of will it actually get here? On time? But then if it doesn't, what's what's your plan B? Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't, maybe a note that says what it is. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually do need, um, I would love some ideas if you have them or if our listeners have them and want to send me a DM for a $50 grab gift for one of the Christmases I'm going to for women, like a women $50 grab gift. Oh, I just had uh, something like that last night with a group of friends and I did the extra or the large Lululemon belt bag. Okay. Because it's $48 and I feel like everybody loves those and it's a little bit, it's not the normal one. It's the bigger one because let's be Mm -hmm. honest, the normal one's way too small. Did you get it in uh, your season or how do you pick a color? So most of us were, there's only one person in the group that wasn't a summer or an autumn. And I used a crossover color between the two seasons. Wow. So. That's very thoughtful. But then I also said, like, if you don't want that color, I'll keep it and I'll just buy you one in the color that you want. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. Yeah. That's a good idea. But some of the girls had, there's this new interior design store in a town not too far away and almost everybody had shopped there. Those geometry hand towels were popular. Uh, okay. Wax Buffalo candles, which that's a Nebraska thing. So maybe you've never heard of those. Um, and there was like fancy cookbooks from... Uh, somebody did like a really mm. cute, what's the cookbook that everybody loves? Half-Bake Harvest. Is that right? Okay. I don't know. And then like a meal planner and a candle. And it, there's, oh, nice. there was some really cute, really cute gifts. What did you get? I got a candle and then like giant matches to like. Ooh, cool. cute. And a little like toiletry bag that's cute. And then some bronzer from this all natural makeup company. Okay. I don't even remember what it's called, but everybody's raving about it. So I'm going to try it. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. The hard part, I feel like for this Christmas in particular is the age range. It's like including grandparents. And so it's like our age group 
my mother-in-law and my mom will be there and my mother-in-law's mom. So, okay. So I don't think that any of them will like a belt bag. They'll be like, these are seriously from Danny packs, the (laughs) eighties. So I don't know. I have my have to do a little more thinking, but okay. Should we get into our actual topic? We sorry, everyone. We just had to catch up. Okay, so so we wanted to break down the trials that we did on our farms this year. And our farms are very different, but similar in the fact that we test something and every single thing that we apply on our farm earns every single acre that it's applied to. Would you agree that that's pretty much a motto over at the SAS farm? Oh, 100%, yes. Okay, I I kind of assumed that. But um, obviously, we had a very tough year. It was very dry hail, wind, yada, yada, all the things. But we still did one, two, three, four, five, looks like six or seven different trials and got good results from them. So what do you guys use to look at your trial data? Or like, how do you pull it apart? We use climate field view for all of that. Okay. Do you we do something too. else? No, we do too. But I would. Um, it's always hard to look at the data at the end of the year because we're trying to pull it in from two different combines and like, yeah, it's so hard. I will say there, it, it does like once you have all of it in there though, it's pretty easy because actually mm-hmm. Levi just sat here with me for a few minutes before the podcast to kind of do the comparisons. And he was just like drawing boundaries around where the trials were. And then it gave him the yield data and it was so user-friendly. I feel like. Mm-hmm. I think we could, we always try to set them up where it'll be easy to analyze the data. And then it's just like, it gets, where we have smaller data chunks because of the different combines, the different planters and all of the yeah, different. Yeah, you have a lot more moving parts on your end for sure. So that's easy for me to say that. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think we've, I think we did, I like, we sat down, I don't know, maybe a week ago and I made the guys go through a few things with me to get some numbers down. So what do you want to start with? So we are always kind of known for doing a large test plot. So we'll plant this year. It was kind of small. We only did 20 hybrids in our test plot. Uh, I think Levi's done up to almost 40 in the past. Um, He's toned it back a little bit. So we did a high population corn test plot. So every hybrid was planted at 40,000 seeds per acre. And we compared, we had some channel hybrids and some pioneer hybrids. And then four of those 20 hybrids were test plot seed only. So no farmers were using this to plant a whole field. It's just Mm -hmm. strictly test plot. Uh, and the winner of that test plot was a channel number. It was 21701 and it yielded 301 bushels an acre. So it's always exciting when you get like an over 300 bushel in a test plot. It kind of helps Levi like, okay, I know this hybrid's capable of that. Now let's see where we can take that. So 21701, I guarantee you he's already ordered to put more in our fields for next year. We also did a similar sized test plot. I think it was... 24 or something so very close to that and it was irrigated mm-hmm. so that. comparable yeah um we had lots of different varieties um but it was crazy because i was out there when they were harvesting it and like you said our areas are so different so we didn't have any channel numbers but we did have pioneer and pioneer took the first three spots of the it was a pretty high yielding test plot too oh cool i don't have exact numbers but it was over 300 as well and awesome um yeah i don't i mean I know, like you said, he's Levi's probably already ordered that number. Uh-huh. Um, and we definitely look at that data too when we're ordering for the next growing seasons. And um, 
I know we definitely upped our pioneer order, but we also have a very good relationship right. with our dealer. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we also, Levi's used to say like, I'll put anything in my test spot. I'll give everything a chance. And then we were trying all of these seed brands from all over and he kind of got exhausted of that and was just like fine tuning exactly what is yielding the best. So we honestly plant mostly channel and pioneer, but this year he did do another test plot on a different field and he had some Bex numbers and some channel numbers and he was telling me the numbers and I wasn't that impressed. So Channel had a 260 bushel an acre and then Bex had a 258 bushel an acre number. And I was kind of like, okay, that field had extreme wind and hail. We got a 32% loss on that field actually. So Mm. those yields are still fairly good for our area. And they yielded that great, even given a 32% loss. So now it's interesting. Like what would those numbers do without all the wind and hail damage? Cause they could probably be pushing 300 as well. Right. And which hybrids possibly stand up to that kind of beating better than others. And especially like after you get events like that, it just opens up wounds for disease to come in. So which ones were sturdier through that? You can learn Mm -hmm. a lot from a test plot like that. You can. Last year when we got like a tornado literally went through one of our fields, it was went through our test plot. And the week before the tornado, our agronomist had said in the 30 years he's scouted for our family, he's never seen. He said, this was the best corn you guys have ever grown. And of course, it got hit by that storm. Mm. But it was prime opportunity because you could see with the na- naked eye which which hybrids were handling the stress better. Yeah. We like to walk our plots and so that was really interesting this year to walk it late as late as we did to see like that late season crop health and just Mm -hmm. how this the stalks were standing together and the leaves staying on the plants and going through and harvesting that it's like the same thing you can Mm -hmm. totally see it from the cab of the combine too so it's interesting cool so what um, else did you guys try? The next thing, well, we apply Pivot Bio to pretty much all of our corn acres, but there's usually a check somewhere mm-hmm. because since it is a product that we're using so much of, we just want to make sure it's still working well for us uh, because that's a big investment. And this check, I think it actually happened because Levi needed more at the field, but whoever was bringing him seed and product wasn't there yet and he didn't want to stop the planter. So he's like, I'm just going to do an untreated yeah. check while I wait. <laughs> um, so the everything was exactly the same starter fertilizer hybrid all the things the only difference was no pivot bio and the treated with pivot bio yielded five bushels an acre better than the untreated we have seen on our farm up to a 12 bushel an acre difference in the treated versus untreated with pivot bio so it is kind of interesting to keep comparing it through the years at this point it is still a very good investment for us and you guys put that on only in furrow, right? Or do you do multiple applications? Nope. It's just applied in furrow. And then it's a microbe, a living microbe that then mm-hmm. will continue to produce nitrogen all season long. So you only have to apply it once. Okay. Awesome. They have a seed treatment available now too. We have not used that. The in works really well for us. So I don't think Levi will go away from that. Okay. That'd be interesting. We treat our own seed. So seed treatment can kind of be a good avenue for product application for mm-hmm. us because we can really customize whatever we want to do. So maybe I'll have to tell Josh about that. Yeah. He probably knows. Who, who am I kidding? No, maybe you'll teach him something. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't listen. So I have to like, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> we, we tried a product too this year. This was our second year trying it um, because the first year we did not get data. Oops. We had it on like one field and we didn't get data. So um, the product is seed plus graphite. And I've shared about it on my social media. They did 
they sponsored me on social media. They, I'm just talking about it here because I think the trial was interesting. But um, the thing that I really like about the product is you don't have to change anything that you're doing because it's just a graphite and talc replacement product, which I mean, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's just customary for a farmer to use that for seed flow through the planter. They sprinkle it on in either in the seed boxes or in the big bulk tanks as they're filling them with seed. So it has micronutrients and biostimulants in it where a normal talc and graphite product wouldn't. Um, but when we were doing the like cost breakdown of it, it took a lot to kind of talk through the numbers of it because when you're applying talc and graphite, the cost is like pennies per acre. Uh huh. And the cost of seed plus graphite for us from our retailer was $2 an acre, uh-huh. which doesn't seem like much, but you still need to have like some kind of a response to go from like pretty much $0 to $2. Right. With when you're applying something. So we did it on both corn and soybeans. And on soybeans, we had one field where there was like a half a bushel to a two bushel response on untreated versus treated. And then on the other field of soybeans, we saw a loss. So it was like a 50% win rate. Mm-hmm. But with soybean, it's it's like $13 a bushel. So if you're spending $2 an $2 acre to, to get 13 yeah. Yeah, it, it pays for itself really quickly. And then on corn, we saw overall positive responses anywhere from one to three bushels, which again, doesn't sound like much, but for only a $2 investment, what we're going to do for next year is we're going to try it again. We're not going to like put it on full throttle right but also like it is one of those products that doesn't feel like a huge risk because of the investment is low right and there isn't uh we don't have to change anything else like we don't have to like we don't have to worry if it's compatible with our liquid or you know any of that kind of stuff right so that's been kind of nice and we we definitely tried a lot of other products this year that i don't have all the information on that were higher maintenance but we did see pretty big results with some of them. So it's kind of like, okay, if it's worth all the work, then yes. maybe, yeah. So speaking of uh, liquid compatibility, we did this trial. This company drove out from South Carolina actually to deliver this product to us for, to try. They hadn't really tried it on uh, like big row crop operations. It's really popular in the South on lawns and golf courses and different things. It's called Agstone 15 and Agstone Kelp. I didn't, I was there briefly when the people delivered the product. Uh, we added it to our starter fertilizer and it was supposed to make the nutrients more readily available in the soil and make like, make it so you need less water potentially. That's why it's big in the South where it's really dry or really hot. And, uh, They really thought it was going to work great on row crops. Well, Levi added it to the starter fertilizer because they said it was compatible and it curdled and plugged the planter. And that is not cool to happen when you're in the thick of trying to get planting done. And then, uh, obviously it did. It that was, that was a no go for us. Like it, right. That's not going to work on our farm. And Levi's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, you don't have to talk about that. And I said, no, I think it's important to point out that we try things because not everything works. And so you have to try it first. Uh, so that product was a no go. And then we also tried, some new leaf products. One was called Hopper Throttle. It's a seed treatment that helps rootworm pressure in corn on corn acres, which we do try to crop rotate quite a bit, but we do plant, tend to plant more corn than soybeans. So there is a little bit of corn on corn every year. Um, 
It was 13 bushel. It was 12 bushels less than the untreated. So obviously that is not worth it. Um, mm-hmm. But Levi said we also didn't have rootworm pressure. So now the seed had to work through that. The plant had to work through that seed treatment that right. it didn't even need. So if there was rootworm pressure, it might have been a different result. But at this point in time where we're not seeing a lot of rootworm, that one's obviously not worth our investment. And then we, there was a Terrasin product from New Leaf. It was another seed treatment supposed to improve root growth, root growth development and mass and aid in plants taking up more nutrients. And it yielded one bushel of better than the untreated. So at this point, not worth our investment. Right. Yeah. That's so good that you point that out because if we aren't trying new things, then it just, what, how are you ever going to grow? Right. You can't improve what you don't record. So. That's why all of this is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I, I think maybe I've mentioned before too, is we split pr- plant every, pretty much every field. Mm-hmm. So if you look at our climate maps, it's like opposite colors. And then you have all these trials on all the opposite colors. So we're trying to get, that could be another reason why we sometimes have a hard time looking at data because it's like, we want to make sure we're looking at this product on the same hybrid with the same fertility program. Right. <laughs> so sometimes it's like trying to pick into all that gets to be a lot, but right. But we learn a lot every year too. So do we, we even learned a lot from our field view maths this year, just seeing what pivots were performing well and what were and where we could improve with nozzles and different things. Uh, yeah. th- th- simply just on our irrigation, you know, something we're already doing. So there's mm-hmm. definitely always so much to be learned. Yes. So did you guys change any practices at all this year? Like, one of the things that we did was rolled our soybean ground. I don't know what that means. Okay. Rolling, basically what it does is it flattens out the soybean ground and it's supposed to help if you have small rocks or different things. Like we have some different pretty rocky ground in our area. So it'll like push the rocks back into the soil. So when you're going through cutting soybeans, you're not picking up the rocks, bringing them into the feeder house and you're able to harvest a little bit lower and capture more bushels. Yeah. So we weren't sure how that was going to work. We hired some done. So we did, I think we had a custom guy do, I don't know how many fields. And then I did some with a rented ro- roller. We saw two to four bushels um, on every field that we did a check-in with rolling. Awesome. Yeah, I have not heard of that. I would have to ask Levi if anybody around here does it. We have never done that though. But I don't think rocks are a big issue for us. Yeah. It's... I mean, rocks or even just like, I mean, depending on your tillage practices too, if, if your ground is like a little bit lumpy uh-huh. and you're, I mean, obviously you shouldn't be planting into ground that rough, uh-huh. but if it is, you can roll before you plant and okay. get a smoother seed bed to get that seed to soil contact. So we did it at all different stages. So we did, and I mean this, like we didn't do the same field three times. We did fields at different timings. So like we did one field before planting, we did one field after it was planted and we did another one after the soybeans were already emerged because that's another theory is like, if your beans are up just a little bit, not to where you're going to break them off. So they die, but beans can kind of take a beating. I don't know. Early. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we've had it flood and it's like, okay, well, if depending on where the growing point is, it might bounce back. Yeah. So there's been some, which I don't have like this research right in front of me and I could have, but I didn't prepare that much (laughs) for this part of the episode. But um, if you can injure them or like beat them up a little bit earlier that they'll branch out more and actually yield more from that. So 
Yeah, I don't know if we did it at exactly the right timing after they were already up, but we did see positive across the board. So I don't know if we will actually buy a roller or if we'll just do more custom, hire more custom done, but it was positive. It might be something you gradually work into too, to see year after year how the data is looking. For sure. It's a really quick pass too. So it's um, something that you can get a lot done pretty quickly. That's always a win. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And the other practice that we tried was skip row. So basically instead of 30 inches between our rows, we tried to skip and do 60 inches and we did some, yeah, 60. So you don't change your population. You put your population into the other rows. So basically you have a lot of plants that are closer together, but they're spread 60 inches apart. And it's was supposed to be to capture sunlight from different angles. Okay. To see how that would affect the crop. Um, and we did it both north, south facing rows and east, west facing rows. This was like a total, we just want to see what happens. No, I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing we did not do, which some people are going to be like, well, that's why (laughs) we didn't change the fertility. So we, it was a, I think at least one, maybe one of the fields we did was a strip, strip till. So the fertility is in the strip. Uh huh. So we didn't like, that was already done before we planted. So we couldn't have changed Changed that. that. Yeah. So we saw a five to seven bushel loss on our skip row trials, both north, south and east, west. But like I said, one of only one of the fields was strip tilled. The other one was just, I I don't know exactly what we did there, but. So we've done, well, we twin row plant our beans because we have 36 inch rows. So that kind of just narrows the gap between. So then you can get the canopy sooner, shade the ground hopefully cut down on weeds. Levi's tried twin row planting, twin row planting corn. And to kind of narrow that row again, since we do have such wide rows and I think it did well, but not enough for him to keep doing it. Cause it was also kind of a pain to combine mm-hmm. with the twin yeah. row corn beans. Obviously they're easy to combine if they're twin row planted, but yeah, it's interesting. Cause you know, then there's other like practices you hear where they'll do like 30 feet or at precision planting, they did 30 feet of corn and then 30 feet of soybeans to kind of get more sunlight because the end rows of corn always has the biggest ears because of the amount of sunlight they're able to get. So I've seen that around here at research facilities too. You just can never use a field like that for a national entry FYI for yield. (laughs) Where did did that come? No, I didn't. I just, I, that's a thing. Cause I mean, otherwise everybody would do that to get the higher yielding corn, mm-hmm. you know, cause it has to get it like a true national corn growers association when it can't be a field okay. like that. It has to be like a field of corn. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Because wonder- of that advantage of the sunlight, obviously soybeans are shorter. So most of that corn's going to act like an end row would. I wonder if that ever were to become like a regular practice for it to be just rotated swath after swath after swath if they would then accept those entries. Yeah. I don't know. That or maybe it would like- be a new category. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. We'll have to see. It's we, we did try that one year too, but that was a couple of years ago. And I think it was more just like logistically, how, how do you make that happen? Not know. easy, especially right. if you need to treat for something. Yes. Something needs sprayed. Yeah. That just sounds like more work than not. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, 
Well, that was all I had. Did you have anything? No, that was the gist of our trials as well. So definitely evident that some work, some don't. (laughs) Do you guys already know if you're trying stuff for next year? I mean, I know we will. I did not ask what we're trying. Yeah, I think we have a lot of uh, contenders, but nothing that we've like totally settled on yet. Uh Besides probably continuing the Seed Plus just to see if it actually will continue to respond in the positive way on corn. Right. That seems like a pretty... Since we saw positive responses, that's probably where we'll keep it going. But I do have a quote that we can um, close the trial or a couple. I looked up on Pinterest a few things. Let's hear it. So um, I never lose. I either win or learn. I like that. Yeah. And that wraps up another episode of Beyond the Crops. We hope you enjoyed our time together today. We truly appreciate each and every one of you who listens to us jabber on each week. We're humbled by your support. If you enjoy the podcast, please be sure to share it with your friends and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. It really helps us out a lot. We hope you all have a very Merry Christmas this week. We pray you and your families feel the true spirit of the Christmas season and the joy that comes along with it. Don't forget, we have launched new episodes every Tuesday. Next Tuesday after Christmas will be a special episode where our husbands will join us for our 2023 wrapped episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Merry Christmas.